0: Welcome to Diamond Healing Radio with Dr. Anastasia Jopoulos, a powerful and extraordinary healer, best-selling author, and international scientist. She brings you expert interviews and essential information on the fusion of science and energy healing to help you become more vibrant, youthful, and healthy no matter what your age. Diamond Healing Radio is hosted on the Amazing Women of Power Network, world's leading positive programming channel. Get relaxed, be ready to feel and look better than you ever have before. Hello, this is Dr. Anastasia Choplas at Diamond Healing Radio. And today I have a very special guest I just met her at this conference and she has done some phenomenal work with children and adults with brain disorders and I'd like to introduce you to her today. Her name is Lynette Louise and she has had a very interesting path before she got to this point. So I think that the best way for her to tell that to you is that she tells it to you herself. So Welcome, Lynette.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Anastasia. I'm really excited to be here. So would you like
0: to hear about my past, would you? <laughs> I would. I mean, you know, working with, with children on the spectrum, there have been so many different therapies, and a lot of times the, the children get drugged, and um, they have a very difficult time coming out of it. And I, I think that a lot of natural techniques exist, and that they're very effective. So um, so tell us a little bit about why you got into it.
1: Well, so my backstory is that, you know, I came from a home where it was a bit angry and abusive, and so there was that cloud of confusion whether or not some of my difference as an individual and, and my anxiety, especially going into teen years, had to do with... You know the past that I'd lived, or my family, or just the way that I did hormones. And at one point they thought I was schizophrenic. Another point they thought I was just uh, you know clinically depressed. Another. So so it was sort of a roller coaster ride of discovery for me. I got out of the house and it settled out quite a bit. But I did have a lot of unusual challenges. As in you know I I found humor very challenging, especially things that were messy like a Lucille Ball or a slapstick kind of show. I'd just worry about cleaning up the mess, even though it's not my mess to clean up. And uh, and so I would get, like, focused on that and not able to enjoy or appreciate the rest of the story or the show. So things like that kept showing up in my life. And over, the, over time, at, you know, eventually I got a diagnosis of Asperger's, but by the time I got that diagnosis, it was a diagnosis saying, you used to be Asperger's. I mention that because I think this personality trait, let's call it that, that I had, was the reason why when I looked to adopt children, I felt a greater affinity or a greater connection with children that were challenged. As I already had two biological children, I wanted to adopt two boys i had two girls but as i got looking into the process of adoption and the children that were available and the children that would get homes and the ones that wouldn't i ended up really wanting the kids that were challenged and then that story just sort of unfolded when one child and then a group of three and then a couple more and it just turned into eight kids that i raised Uh, many of them with autism so four of them had been multi-multiply diagnosed with autism and fetal alcohol syndrome and you know one of them got Tourette's during his um, early preteens and, and so they, it was difficult. They were deciding the one boy actually we call him the Heinz 57 diagnosis because at that time we really didn't have a, a sense of the spectrum and I was in this game real early so I'm Really can
0: speak to the history and the way that it's evolved, and this one boy—it was constantly. Well, let's well, just I don't know, maybe as this, maybe as that, but eventually yeah. we're all on the spectrum. Yes, and, yes, uh, we are. So let's they ended just let's just. Coming off the spectrum, and that's kind of how I got into this work. Yeah, so let's just remind people: you had two natural children, and you adopted six. That's phenomenal, and. And some families they suffer terribly just by having one child on the spectrum and you had how many you had four at least that were multiply diagnosed. That right. is like right. you know, heroic on epic proportions. That's all maybe, like maybe
1: but you know, I'm gonna I, I gotta say that I think having one autistic child is a bit tougher. Um there's something about being hyper-focused on one human being where you're really trying to help them and they're—you know everything about what you're looking at in them is a problem and you're trying to fix it and you just stop seeing the human being I remember when I was working with Dar who was the first child, and he was, he's the most damaged and the one that's still at home, and all the rest came off the spectrum. He also has a terrible past. He was locked up in a closet for a couple of years. He's, I mean, he's just got a really big story and very, very uh, challenged child, not just autistic. So, uh, but when I was Just working with him, just raising him, he was the only one. I was always watching everything he did. Like, oh, his hand is stimming. Oh, his foot is dragging when he walks. Oh, he's not, you know. And so it was almost like I was trying to mold and shape him into normal without seeing him. But when... And I would have argued with you at the time. I would have said, of course I see him. You know, I love him. And he's, you know, I'm doing my best and all that. But the minute I got all these other kids, I was too busy to hyper-focus on one human being that way. And now all of a sudden, I was just being a mom. That was the best thing that ever happened. I just became their mom, and they were as quirky as they were, and we had to figure out a way to work together, and we used a buddy system, and the higher functioning took the hand of the lower functioning, and you rotated chore charts, and you insisted they all participate at whatever level they could. And and somehow that was a much better scenario than just having one super-challenged child in the house.
0: Actually, actually, I have had some long conversations with parents that that do have a child on the spectrum a single child on the spectrum and they told me the same exact thing that as soon they entered her world instead of trying of you know instead of them trying to make her enter their world so they created a space in which she could do whatever she wants and be who she is And so if she started doing something really quirky, they all did. When they went out to a restaurant, she did something, they all did it. Yeah, I mean, it's called
1: joining if you're a Sunrise parent. Uh um, They're kind of the originators of that approach, but it's been morphed now by many. and, And lots of parents intuitively do it. So once I was sort of accepting all the kids and just sort of being a mom, then yes, then you could go, okay, well... He really likes that. So if he really likes doing that particular thing, there's some value in it. It's, it's up to us to figure out what that is. It's a very different way to raise your kid than to just go, oh, he shouldn't do that. He should sit here. He should stand there. His, his hand should be to his side. Like, it's, uh, Who wants to be raised
0: by parents like that? So, uh, I know. <laughs> so yeah, just
1: getting into somebody else's world and then saying, hey, while I'm in your world, can I make some suggestions is a much better way to go.
0: Yeah, I, er, I mean, you're the first person I've ever heard of saying, well, my children are now off the spectrum. I mean, they've fallen off. They're now they're now classified as quote unquote normal.
1: Well, you know what? There is now they say they've you know declassified them, or they, they, but there is a high percentage of kids that that applies to from different therapies, not just the ones that I use. However. There's just as many people who get enraged by that and say, you know, autism's forever, how can you say that? Just because you can't see the behavior anymore doesn't mean it isn't there and I just go, Well, you know, if you if you can't claim that you feel better <laughs> what was the point of all the work? So <laughs> when the kids just got to where they could function on their own and get their own Lives going, and one's a helicopter mechanic, another works on pipelines, another works for AutoZone, and they have friends and own houses and pay taxes. At what point do we say they're? You know, you have to at some point say, okay, we're done with this battle. They get to just be who they
0: are. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with that. So what what's? I mean, aside from you know meeting them where where they are, what are what are some of the the methods that you use to help bring them out so they could so they could heal from the problem what's do you have any
1: sure well I predominantly use neurofeedback that was the real kicker for me I used a lot of training I used ABA behavioral mod Uh, they're kind of the same thing just different evolutions of the same thing. Um, I used sunrise approaches, floor time approaches, the RDI, but very short. I didn't like RDI. Um, But I tried all these different things. I used auditory training. I used vision therapy. So of all the things that we circled through or cycled through the house, the only one, there were two things, but only one that I would call a therapy. So the only one that worked on everybody, helped everybody, regardless of where they were, to feel better and and function better from whatever place they were at was neurofeedback, which is biofeedback for the brain. And that was the real turning point for my family when I discovered that. And previous to that, I'd already trained in play therapy and mentor counseling and stuff. And so I was able to take this accepting who you are, be there with you, but know that I want to Help you grow and change, not just accept who you are and let you just stay like that because, you know, the brain, what wires, fires together, wires together. So if you just sit and do your behaviors, you're going to just sit and do your behaviors. So I did know that I wanted to help them change and, and that was an important piece of it. But you got to accept something first and you got to be able to enjoy it and rest in it and all of that. Um, And then, then the biofeedback's really, really, really been big. And that's what I take into homes all over the world. I take biofeedback for the brain, and I take this w- approach, this sort of co-mingling of all my trainings, and I've created my own cocktail. And it always helps. It whether you're on the low on the spectrum or high, you'll always improve.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually um, I you know briefly alluded to my brother earlier when we were talking that that's one of the methods that he used to use whenever he focused on anything his brain would fall asleep so he had to he had to gradually work into this neural feedback system where he could actually focus he said that the way he listened to his professor's lecture is that he had to have three other things on his desk to distract him yeah,
1: it's, yeah and, and it's an actual brain condition it's so funny the things that um that become known and the things that don't become known. So in brain science, you, one of the things that we're aware of, if, if you're someone who's done your homework, then it, one of the things you're aware of is that there are people who work in reverse, that when you go to focus on something, you should get a stimulated frontal lobe. But in some people, instead, they get a lower frequency predominant in the frontal lobe. So every time they try their brain starts to get tired so the harder you try the worse you'll be now if you have that kind of a condition just think about that for a child here I am this kid in this house and everybody's saying you're not trying hard enough you're not trying hard enough but every time you try it becomes impossible and the only things you're good at are the things you just allow yourself to do and that you sort of do in a haphazard way and it's your brain causing this to be a reality if the family knew that then they would be able to work with that and we could design a program to make that different plus I would use the biofeedback to change it but when you don't know that you have a child who's pretty much just yelled at all the time and said you are not applying yourself and you know it's it's kind of unfortunate that we don't share the knowledge that we have uh, at a level that would really make a difference to people yeah my so my
0: yeah, my daughter. My daughter grew up with severe dyslexia, and she had all of the classic symptoms, including the inability to stay balanced. Um, she, when she was little, she used to fall all over the place, and um, she had other genius. And she actually managed to graduate from college magna cum laude, and she graduated with honors with her MBA, not MBA, MFA. Um, from UCLA which was a really stringent program and the way that she got that was through movement therapy she it was like dance movement movement to music and uh, she went from like I don't know 80 mistakes on an essay to five five spelling mistakes on an essay um, in in like a very short amount of time so I know that these therapies are really effective but She got yelled at about trying all the time, and I knew how hard she tried. I didn't have to say anything. I knew how hard she tried. So she may have had that same problem, too.
1: Well, it's often comorbid with dyslexia, so I wouldn't be surprised. Um,
0: And now a brief word from our sponsor. Hi there. My name is Trina Jensen. And I'm Anastasia Chopoulos. We have something really special and fun for you. But before we tell you what it is, we'd like to ask you a few questions.
1: Have you ever felt so overwhelmed that you had a hard time thinking clearly or even making simple decisions? Do you know what causes that? Maybe you are so busy putting out fires that it feels like you
0: have no brain cells left for decision making. And do you have, still have negative feelings over a relationship that went south, such as anger, depression, anxiety? If you do, did you know that you're still in a relationship with that person? These things can really hold you back. So we'd like to
1: invite you to our event at BigBreakthrough.net, where you can dump your old useless baggage from the past and spend a day discovering your life's
0: purpose and finding your passion. It's an all-day, fun-filled healing event and workshop where you'll come back with clarity Making you feel lighter and ready to create the future you desire. Sign up now. Don't delay. And now we return to our regular programming.
1: And, uh, and so here, here you have that situation. She gets into movement. The movement helps to shift all those gears and also keeps you more stimulated and in a more holistic way. And voila. <laughs>
0: Exactly I mean it's almost like
1: sitting at the desk and getting
0: yelled at. <laughs> oh yeah, no kidding no kidding but you know I, I used to uh, I, I got divorced um, from her dad when she was about eight and I used to um, get her into as many art programs as I could pottery drawing, you know whatever I could find get her into the programs because that's how she expressed herself. Like, she was really slow at everything else, and as soon as it was art, she was, like, in her element. So that's why it's an MFA. It's a Master of Fine Arts. She actually makes can make movies and um, animation and things, which is really
1: tough. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, that's, that's, yes. that's really awesome. So, you know, so, it's funny, the, the stuff we're talking about, it's sort of what... Um, what pushed me to and you know when you're on a radio show you're not supposed to bring up your book but it's almost a natural here so I'm going to go ahead and jump in there and say that what made me write the book that I wrote for autism was the lack of understanding of why everybody thinks what they think today so when you when you come through something and come through the history of it and you see you know back here they think it's a refrigerator mom and then that evolves away and then they think and they For a long time, it's a psychological thing, and then everyone's in an institution, and then If you live through these battles, one educational system after another, one doctor after another one, therapist after another, you have something to offer to other parents that I almost feel responsible to give before I leave, which is, look, the reason your doctor thinks what they think is this, they're on this continuum of learning. That doesn't mean they're right, and it doesn't mean they're wrong. So when, I think when people understand the foundation or the history of a the thing, they make better choices. And parents are overwhelmed right now. with There's over 550 therapy choices for autism. How does a parent choose?
0: Yes, and a lot of times things just simply don't work. And when somebody like you or I comes and offers a solution, they just are so overwhelmed. They're broke because they've paid so much. Right. And they just don't. They just says no, no more, no more. I can't deal with this anymore. Right. Yes, and that that's a, a difficult choice. So you were te- you were telling me earlier this is also effective for PTSD and for for brain injuries. Um,
1: pretty much if it's something you're struggling with, you can use biofeedback for the brain because. It actually goes all the way into peak performance, so you can help somebody who has had a stroke. Um, I had a stroke, fixed myself. I mean, it's it's not difficult to use if you understand the science behind it. You just apply it to the problem. It's one of the things that I liked so much about it was it wasn't limited by diagnosis. It wasn't something where you went, oh, if you have autism, this will work, or if you have you know PTSD, this will work. You just change where you put the sensor because your brain is the one element that every or the one organ that all of these things have in common. There's a dysfunction somewhere in it, but we just change what part of the brain and what aspect of the balance of the brainwave activity that we're talking to and that Whoa. we're rewarding or that we're discouraging. So yeah, you can use it for all those things and, and more. I discovered the degree of flexibility of this particular therapy because I would go into a home and I'd have a primary client, usually with autism, and I wanted to help the whole family because my whole family was helped. So right off the bat, my motivation is I'd really like to help the whole family, not have us all hyper focus on this one kid, (laughs) right? but have us go, wow, let's help us all feel better. And at the very least, we're going to be less stressed.
0: Yes, exactly. I began
1: like that and I just discovered that it worked for all the disorders.
0: Wow. That's really, that's really awesome. It gives me a little more insight because when I, when I work with people, I mean, um, I don't know if you remember me saying this, but I worked with somebody who had quote unquote irreparable brain damage and probably wouldn't live. And in fact, expect them to die in the next two or three days. And I did a healing on, on that person. I spent seven hours working on his brain. And, and even while I was at the hospital, the needles were moving. You know, I, I stood over his bed and did the healing on him, and the needles were all moving. So I could see that there was evidence of, of whatever I was doing was changing changing what was going on in his body. And um, you could not tell that he was in that kind of accident anymore. You could, there was He came out fine. You can't tell.
1: It's an amazing thing, isn't it, when um, you watch somebody who's supposed to die heal and somebody who wasn't supposed to be very broken, not able to get over it. I find myself often fascinated by the people that will let themselves heal. There used to be a saying um, that doctor's job was really just to distract the patient so their bodies could heal themselves. And I don't think we are distracting them. I think we are making a huge difference. But we are attracting a focus that says, I believe I can get better.
0: Yes, Um, exactly. I think that that has a lot to do with it. There is one thing everybody asks me, so does it work on everybody? And I said, no, there are people that actually they give it lip service, I want to be well, but in reality they don't. And, And so... So they'll say, well, why wouldn't somebody want to get well? Well, the thing is that if you are the ill person, you you get mounds and mounds of attention. And there are some people that are never full, and so they they want the attention. And so getting well means that they're going to have to stand on their own two feet, and people won't be taking care of them anymore. Oh, and,
1: the secondary gain of something like, um, for example, I have a client who's had a stroke, and he got... <laughs> amazing gains, amazing gains. And then he was at risk of losing his disability and that was something he didn't want. So then he dropped down again. And I'm like, Well you have to make a choice. You don't you know, you don't have to get worse again and have another stroke. <laughs> but you but you have to at least make this choice clear and know that you're choosing not to get any better.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And um but otherwise otherwise if somebody has the will to get well and they open up to the possibility of being healthy again, they do. I've just seen it happen over and over again. It's a really incredible. You know, I talked to somebody today who is riddled with cancer and I could hear in her voice, "Yes, I want to be well. I don't want this to be my reality anymore." So I gave her a couple of hints and I'm I'm going to be working with her. But um, I'm excited to see, you know, how people transform um, just by inviting that in into their reality of being well. That's like the number one thing is I, I decide I want to be healed.
1: It's huge. It's so funny. Um, I don't know if you bang your head against the wall over this, but I often do it, probably because I'm in the middle of a dissertation. But, I, you know, when when a part of our science refuses to honor the placebo effect as if it's muddying the waters and instead of going, what is the placebo effect? Oh, it's the person choosing wellness. Um,
0: yes, exactly. It's, you know, it's so silly. It's like here we have this part of a human being that chooses
1: to believe and to get well and we want to subtract that out. We should be adding that in.
0: Well, I think, I think that... The reason why they want to subtract that out is because they want to make sure that whatever medication they are serving up, you know, one of those poisons we were talking about, that is actually effective.
1: <laughs> I know. And, I know that's what why they want it. But, but the truth is you can't subtract placebo or nocebo. You have a person taking something that, and they have a belief. They're going to either believe it's going to help them or they're going to believe it's not. So, you really can't take it out of the mix, no matter what. So you might as well um, you might as well work with it.
0: Yes, I, I I completely agree. And there and there are more and more groups. There's a group in the Netherlands. Um, he actually belongs to the same to the same uh, group of us that that work with people from the conference last week. Um, and they they actually have capitalized on that placebo effect, and they have some trainings that that help. And I haven't gone through all the trainings. I got the package from him because I was interested, and I guess some of it was just, <laughs> I, it didn't hold my interest because he says, listen to this one first, and I'm listening to somebody drone on and on, and I'm one of those people It's like, can we get to the meat already? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like meet myself. I'm always like, bottom line, please get to the bottom line. So let's get to the bottom line, you and I. Yes, exactly. Um,
1: So, you know, so I had this journey. I started with my own, you know, I met my kids. uh, We all started to work together learned to accept each other, found some therapies. I think, um, you know, it, it would just sort of evolve that people then said, can you help me? And then I would train and get certified. And eventually, ended up working all over the world so i want very much to be able to get this information out there but i want people to be able to see it because i find that there's so many cure stories and and healing stories and uh impossible stories at the same time that there's so many stories that say none of that can happen and so it's like there's this division, especially, especially in autism, where everyone's either angry and, and says nothing can be done or they are all saying everything can be done. And so it's really hard to have the voice of authenticity in this population Um, So I designed something where I have cameras go with me And we're making a show It's on the Autism Channel And they follow me around And so it's like a little reality show of exactly what can be done It's really exciting and interesting And it's international So I'm really enjoying that And I think that that's one way for me to give people At least an awareness of what can be done How to do it um, And entertain them at the same time You know, So I'm excited about that
0: Oh, that to me, that sounds like a total thrill. So I am going to set up a webpage for the listeners to be able to find you. It's diamondhealingradio.com forward slash Lynette. That's L-Y-N-E-T-T-E. She has only one N in her name. And um, you'll be able to find out a little bit more about uh, Lynette. And you'll be able to... um, uh, send in your name and email address so you can get uh, more information from her because uh, she has helped literally has been uh, educating and helping thousands of people on on these not very well understood problems um, with the brain. So um, I think we're just about out of time. Thank you so much for all of this. This has been really exciting and interesting for um, my listeners to listen to. Well,
1: thank you for having me. And by the way, they call
0: me the Brain Broad. The Brain Broad. That's easy (laughs) to find. (laughs) All righty then. So this is Dr. Anastasia Chopoulos with another episode of Diamond Healing Radio. Thank you for joining us on Diamond Healing Radio, hosted on the Amazing Women of Power Network the world's leading positive programming channel to learn more and get your free healing meditation go to diamondhealingradio.com and join us next week to hear more on how you can live a vibrant and healthy life using the fusion of science and energy healing until next week remember to take a deep breath before you go about your day